We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Welcome to Faith Church. We're glad you're with us today. I love hearing you read aloud the Word of God together. And for those of you that are at home, maybe you're traveling, finishing a last minute sort of vacation, or maybe uh, you are in quarantine and isolating yourselves. We just want to say we love you. We're, we're praying for you. In fact, um, this week, friends, and, and in the weeks to come, uh, we know here in our community, kind of COVID is kind of like rearing its ugly, ugly, ugly face back up again in our area. And uh, we've our team has put together some COVID care packages. And so uh, these are available for any of us in our church who maybe knows of somebody in our church or that you love deeply that is in quarantine. You can pick up one of these baskets and just deliver it to them at some point. Maybe we, we highly recommend just setting it on the doorstep, ringing the doorbell, then stepping away and waving at a distance perhaps because uh, we want you to stay healthy as well. But uh, these are something we wanted to make available to our church family just a little way that we can let those who are kind of feeling the effects of having to be in quarantine or in isolation, they can be reminded that we are praying for them, that they are loved, and that um, kind of just put a smile on their face. We've already distributed several of these. Our staff and uh, some key leaders have already kind of given some of these out throughout these last couple of weeks, and they're putting a smile on people's faces. And so those are a resource available to you. Um, don't just take them just in case. Take one because you know to use them. Um, and, uh, we have a limited number each week available, and so I uh, wanted to let you know of those things. Well, hey, join me, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Turn there in your Bibles or go to faithchurchks.org. We are approaching the final three uh, messages in this summer study, which means that summer is almost over. Let's take a moment of silence for summer. But hey, school's right around the corner, and all the parents said, Amen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14. Hey, as you're turning there, let me ask you a few questions. Just for you to contemplate and consider some things. Have you ever not known what or how to pray? Just think about it. Have you ever felt like your faith was just kind of flat or shrinking back or not as strong as you want it to be? Have you ever had trouble using your mouth and it got you into more trouble than what you wanted? Or you said something and as the words were flying from your mouth, you just wanted to put them right back in and maybe for you, you are continually negative or you gossip or profane things come from your mouth frequently. Have you ever had trouble finding your purpose within a certain season of life? 
Because seasons change and often purposes have new nuance to them. You can't find exactly what that is in this season. Have you ever struggled to understand the Bible and wishing you could understand it better? See, all of these reasons and more, I believe, give purpose and reveal the purpose to the activity and the person we call Holy Spirit. All of these reveal those things. And anytime we lose sight of purpose, we get sloppy in our practice. Anytime you lose sight of the purpose of your marriage, you get sloppy in the practice of strengthening your marriage. And you should sign up to come to EXO. Pay the registration. Be here. We have more spots available. Register today. Shameless plug. I'm, I'm good with this. I can, I can weave stuff in. Sometimes we get sloppy in our purpose for why we attend school. And so our practice and our study and our focus easily slips to the side as do our grades. We lose sight of the purpose of why we show up to church. And so we show up less and less and the practice and the way in which we engage while we are at church starts to fade and it slips less and less. See, the church in Corinth that Paul was writing to, they had, some, they had lost sight of the purpose of many things. And they began to get sloppy in their gatherings. They got sloppy in how they treated one another. Their understanding of Scripture kind of fell more to a personal preference than a resolute understanding of what was taught beforehand. Uh, the church in Corinth became unhealthy and sloppy even in their gatherings. They were rude and selfish during communion. Wealthy people were making rules that only benefited themselves and excluded those who didn't maybe have. Everyone was getting offended if they didn't get equal platform opportunity to exercise and use their gifts and if their name was ever left off a contribution they were upset and in a tizzy there was a battle of the sexes between men and women and their roles and understanding these things they were carnal they were greedy they were emotionally driven to be expressive by way of only gaining their own attention they attended the gathering week in and week out for their own benefit. And they had lost sight of the purpose of the gathering, which was to build up other people that they gathered with. They'd gotten sloppy in some of their practices. Friends, I came to announce today, here's point number one of maybe three. God is a God of purpose. And in 1 Corinthians 14, the entire chapter, the Apostle Paul begins to demonstrate and communicate to us the purpose that God has for tongues, praying in tongues. Praying in tongues has a purpose. It's a, it's a language designed for prayer, for praise, and for prophecy, all listed within 1 Corinthians 14. He, he gives an order for what is the purpose of prophetic words or what is the purpose behind prophecy. He gives it to us here in 1 Corinthians 14. And then he gives us a, a, the purpose that God has for a planned gathering within God's people. In other words, when God's people come together, he gives a purpose for that gathering. And one of the purposes is that there would also be an accompanied plan so that things were done on purpose. 
because you don't accidentally do things on purpose. There's a plan to do things on, on purpose. And God is a God of purpose. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to do to help us understand some of God's purposes behind some of the things that God allows us and invites us into. See, uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is a God who provides power so that our prayers can be both powerful and personal. God has purpose. There is a reason for you to pray. You do realize that God could do whatever, whenever, if he, if he chose to. But he, he wants to partner with his people. And one of the ways that we partner with him to experience and see his kingdom expand, his, his kingdom footprint to be established, and the clarity of his purposes to be revealed on the earth is that his church would be a praying church. And I don't know about you, sometimes I feel deeply inadequate to pray. Uh, I've said this uh, from the platform before, like, publicly, I can pray really well. Privately, my prayers are, like, all over the place. When I get alone with God, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know, everything just goes blank. Right? Some of you are the exact opposite. You get in front of people, and you're like, uh, 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 yeah, uh, right? But, like, if you're all by yourself, you could talk to yourself all the time. You could pray by yourself. You're doing just fine all by yourself. It's like flipped for me. I don't, I, don't, I don't know necessarily why, but it is. But God gives us his power through the Holy Spirit so that your prayers can not only be personal, but powerful. So that there's a purpose behind it. Listen, as we start to talk about like praying in tongues, as we start talking about prophecy, as we talk about the planned gathering of God's people, um, when we look at everything that has a purpose in Scripture, not everything that has a purpose that God gives purpose to necessarily makes a lot of sense up front. Can, can we just be honest for a minute? Like, like, not everything that we do on purpose as a people of God is always, like, sometimes it edges just a little bit into the category of a little bit odd. It's just a little bit different. It's not like normal in terms of normal, right? Like, like, like we believe that, like at the end of the service, like we're going to take communion. We are a people who believe in coming to the table of the Lord. We do, we do every single week. And when we come to the table of the Lord, we are in that moment proclaiming the message of Christ. That his, we, we believe that this juice represents his blood. And that the bread represents his body. There's some, some religions that, like, like, they're, like, literally drinking, they think, the blood of Christ. And they literally think they're drink, eating the, the body of Christ. Now, we're not quite there theologically, but can we just agree that it's a little bit odd? That your salvation is expressed in juice and bread. Can, can we just agree that it's a little bit odd that, like, many of you show up every single week at the same time on a weekend? There are so many other things you could be doing right now. Some of you are watching online and you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying we're, we're welcoming you back. Like this is a little bit, and, and some of us are even as crazy as 
Literally, we give 10% of everything we receive back to God through the local church. Crazy. Like, like there are some things that are in Scripture when we read and we understand. and Like, like prayer. Can we, can we just be honest for a second? Prayer. We are talking out loud to someone you can't see. Seems a little odd. Right? Like, we do things that seem odd, but they're also kind of normal to us. And we understand why and what. Like, like some of us pay good money for somebody to take perfectly good genes and rip holes in them. I'll have you know I did this myself. I paid no one to rip a hole in my jeans. But they are holy nonetheless. Like we do odd things. Like it's part of our lives. We, we call people in the family of God brothers and sisters. You don't even know their names or their last names or their kids' names, but you're perfectly fine calling them a brother or a sister. Just because something seems a little odd or counterintuitive doesn't mean it's not God. Put a pin in that. Just because it's odd doesn't mean it's God. Just got to help some of us for a minute. And so as we get to this idea of praying in tongues, prophesying a message from God to people, the, the planned gathering, there are things that might seem odd, but that doesn't automatically mean we need to write it off as not from God. And we'll get into the scripture here in a minute, and we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit more line by line because there is one thing that I think, um, I believe praying in a prayer language, praying in tongues, is one of the greatest gifts and resources um, that God has given to his people. I believe there's so much power behind it, and you'll see a little bit why as we kind of walk through some things here in scripture. But I believe that this is one issue that the enemy loves to bring confusion about and division about. Why? Because he knows the power that it actually has in a person's life. And if the enemy, who is not an idiot, can bring confusion and chaos and division in the body and the family of God, he's going to try to do it, especially if something has some potential power to bring real transformation and to help you grow in your life. So I think that has had a lot of confusion. So I want to go kind of slow through this passage and kind of help us see what the Apostle Paul is helping us understand. Remember, God is a God of purpose. And we said last week in 1 Corinthians 13 that the reason God gives us gifts of the Spirit is because of love. The reason behind all of this is the love of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, it says, follow the way of love. And, everybody say and. That means both are important, both matter, both are the same thought. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly. Not reluctantly, not skeptically, not with doubt, eagerly. It's the Greek word zelo, which we would get our word zealous. Or, or perhaps uh, in the original language, it means to burn with desire, to pursue ardently. 
uh, from a kind of maybe a negative connotation or a negative word, it would mean to pursue with jealousy. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Which one? All of them. This is what you would call a strong case for perhaps what you would call a biblical command. It's that when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, that's not a, hey, if you feel like it this week, or if you grew up in a certain uh, denomination, go ahead and love one another. Love one another and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. He goes on to say, especially prophecy. Now, let me, let me say a couple things. If we, and I'm going to say this kind of strong because I think it has to, has to shake through some things. I don't want us to take it too far, but I want it to take it far enough that it makes you feel a little bit like, oh, heart check, okay? Let me say it this way. If we are not walking in the pathway of love and simultaneously desiring the manifestations of the Spirit in our own lives, we are not pursuing a component of God's purpose for your life or my life. There is a part of the purpose of God for your life that you are not pursuing. When Paul says to desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, he is not dismissing all of the other eight spiritual gifts. He's just emphasizing prophecy because he's setting himself up for bringing order to the gathering and to the priority of what is needed in a moment. And he uses this word greater a lot. He used it in 1 Corinthians 12, and he's going to use it in 1 Corinthians 14 quite a bit. This word, greater. And I'll explain more about that word and why he uses that word here in just a minute. But he's not dismissing spiritual gifts for the sake of only prophesying. He's not saying, don't have the other gifts of the Spirit, only have prophecy. That's not what he's saying. It would be like um, if I were to say, hey, I want you to be intimate with your spouse, but especially to forgive them. That doesn't mean I only want you in a relationship where you are forgiving them and never intimate. And all the men said, amen. Although we definitely need forgiveness, men, and we definitely need the other. It's not, a, it's not a disregard for the other so that you only get this one thing. Are we tracking? If I were to say, I want you to, to serve the Lord and to give to the Lord but especially to be generous because something happens in your heart when you're generous. I'm not saying don't serve anyone and only give money. Are we tracking? So he says, I, I want you to pursue love, follow the way of love and eagerly, zealously, passionately pursue in your own life the desires and the gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. Verse two, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. When you're praying in the Spirit, when you're praying in tongues, you are not praying to people. You're praying to God. You're praying to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Well, I don't, I don't believe in tongues because I don't understand it. Yeah, that's the point. Exactly. You're accurate. Sort of. You're not supposed to understand it. You utter mysteries by the Spirit. And I love that Paul says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue. 
that Greek word, anyone, you know what it means? You, me, humans, anyone. Really challenging, isn't it? Anyone who speaks in an unknown tongue, anyone who prays in tongues. Because I believe, hear me, I, I, I believe all of these nine gifts of the Spirit, all of us can operate and use and see and experience in our own lives. Every one of them. Because everyone can receive the fullness of the Spirit in their life. I believe all of these are available to you. And so when Paul says anyone can pray in tongues, I think he means anyone. This lines up with what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit fell initially and they all began to speak with other tongues, all of them that were filled. That wasn't just the first apostles because there were more than just 12 apostles, 11 apostles at the time because Judas was, ah! Uh, so he said there was, there, was more, there was more than just the 11 that were there in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell and all 120 in that room were filled and then Peter stands up and says, and this is the promise of the fulfillment of Joel and this gift of the Spirit is for you and your children and all your descendants all who are afar off it's for all y'all it's for all of us this gift of the spirit and he says anyone can do it verse three he goes on to say but the one who prophesies speaks to people when i pray in tongues i'm actually just praying to god not to you not for you, doesn't help you at all. We'll find that out here in a minute. Helps me, but it doesn't help you. But anybody who prophesies, prophesies to people. Why do we prophesy? Here's why. For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. A prophetic word from God is a message that God gives to someone to deliver to someone or groups of someone's that is for the express purpose in the New Testament of strengthening them, encouraging them, and comforting them. Just, just quick, all skate. Everybody here participates in this one, in the room and online. How many of you have ever come to a place where you needed to be strengthened in your faith? Hands up. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yep. Cool. Cool. Go. Put your hands down. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a place where you were a little bit discouraged and really could have used some encouragement? Hands up. Oh, look, all of us. How about that? Uh, one more, one more, just got a sneaky suspicion on this one. How many of you have ever been at a place where you needed the comfort of the truth and the hope found in God's word and a word from God? Let me see your hands. Online, I, I should see those two right here. That's what I'm saying. There is a benefit to people, strength and encouragement. Here's what um, Paul doesn't say happens in prophecy in this passage. I think it's important that we contrast this just for a second. He doesn't say that prophecy is for condemnation's sake. He doesn't say prophecy is for confrontation. He doesn't say pro prophecy is for greed. He doesn't say prophecy is for selfish agendas. He doesn't say prophecy is for predictions of the future. But he does say that prophecy in the body of Christ is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the people of God. That was verse 3. Let's go to verse 4. 
anyone. There's that word again, anyone. Somebody say anyone. Let me ask you a question. Make sure you're still awake. Are you considered an anyone? Yes or yes? I'm very, y'all are so smart. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Anyone who prays in the tongue edifies himself, encourages himself, strengthens himself. Jude 1 verse 20 says, praying in the spirit, building up your most holy faith. Ephesians chapter 5 says, sing to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Be being filled in the spirit. Romans 8 says that when you pray in an unknown tongue, you are praying the will of God and you are praying mysteries and uttering those to God, praying the perfect will of God when you are praying in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of faith, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and praying always with all kinds of prayers in the Spirit. In the Spirit. He, he, here's what Paul's saying. I've got some, some milk here in this, in this glass. You and I, when we get saved, receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's here. He's in us. You have faith. He's given every person a measure of faith. It's in here. It's right here. It's in us. It's wonderful. What a great gift that resides within us. But sometimes those gifts need to be activated. Sometimes that faith needs to be strengthened. Sometimes, and he tells us that when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in your prayer language, you are building yourself up. You are strengthening yourself. You are be being filled in the Spirit. And so when you start to speak tongues up to the Lord, you're not praying to other people, you're praying to God. And it's benefiting you. It's edifying you. It is building you. It is increasing the strength of your faith. And, and John 7 tells us that out of your belly, out of the middle of you, will flow rivers of living water, but we're using milk today. And it builds you up. And then your day goes on, and you move about your day, and you experience things, and talk to things, and, and see how things are going. And all of a sudden, it starts to filter back down. You wake up, you, you wake up, it's another th Thursday, it's a Friday, it's been a long time since you've been in the Word. You haven't been there. You're not sure. Temptation is trying to overtake you, and you don't want to be overtaken by temptation. You're trying to break that habit, break that addiction, and so maybe you begin to pray in the Spirit again, and Galatians says that when you are filled with the Spirit, you walk according to the Spirit instead of your flesh. I did not intend to make this much of a mess. I would lick my hand, but I actually hate milk. <laughs> I'm not lactose intolerant. I just don't like the taste. Which God has comedy because I married the daughter of a dairy farmer. So, you know, whatever. I don't know how all that works out. Dee, can I have that, please? Thank you so much. When you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, when you allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to manifest itself in a way that is a specific prayer language. You are not praying to people. You're not trying to build other people up. You're not trying to encourage other people. You are building yourself up. 
You are edifying yourself. You are encouraging yourself. And we need to stir up oftentimes the faith and the hope and the things inside of us because sometimes, can I, can I just give you a real, real practical? You can't tame your own tongue, James says. James says it's like a fire. I mean, it's like a match. It's like the rudder of a ship. It moves. But, but he says this. He's very specific. He says, no man can tame the tongue. But the Spirit of God can. You want to stop cussing? Maybe it's time to surrender your tongue and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and give you this gift so that now what comes out of your mouth is not only the perfect will of God, but it's actually also building your faith and your speaking life because words are life and death, the Bible says, and it's found in the power of your tongue. And some of you, your life is moving towards hell because you can't control your tongue. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to give you the gift that he, he longs to give you. He wants you. Why? Because he loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you move towards the destruction. He wants to see you do a turnabout in your life. And it starts with your tongue. And you can't contain your tongue on your own, but the Holy Spirit sure can. Some of you, you are bound by lust. And I'm going to use this example because this is true, has been true of my life. The way you break the power of that often is by surrendering, repenting, and now I start praying in the Spirit. And when temptation comes, I pray in the Spirit. So I move in the direction of God, not in the direction of flesh. It's way more practical than what you think. It's not some whip us up into a spiritual frenzy altogether. Everybody tongues and tongues and woo, emotion. No, stop it. It's not the point. The point is to have faith to live a God-honoring life, to live holy, to allow the Spirit to fill you so you're not filled with the flesh and all sorts of other funk. Verse 5. He already said, anybody who speaks tongue edifies himself, prophesies, edifies the church. Verse 5, I would like, Paul is writing, every one of you to speak in tongues. Your pastor at Faith Church would love to see every one of you operate in this special gift, this grace, this resource of the Holy Spirit in your life. Paul wants all of us to speak in tongues. All of us to. Read the book of Acts. Each time people were filled with the Spirit, one of the immediate manifestations and evidences that the Spirit had filled somebody was they were speaking in tongues. They are speaking in this prayer language. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather... Have you prophesied? Why? Here's why. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so the church can be edified. He's talking about the public gathering. He's not talking about when you are by yourself with the Lord and you're praying. He's saying when you're by yourself and praying, praying in the tongues. I want you all to do that. But when you're together in the church, would somebody please speak in a language everybody else can understand? Because everybody in the room needs to be strengthened. Everyone in the room needs to be edified. Everyone in the rooms needs to be comforted. And so when he uses this word greater, he's not saying the person who prophesies is more important than the person who speaks in tongues. He's talking about greater in terms of in the moment what is most beneficial. That's what's greater in the moment. What did Jesus say? If you want to be great, become a servant. In other words, Paul is trying to help us understand 
when you show up in a place and in a moment and you're in a room and the people of God, it is better that somebody speaks in a language everybody else understands so that we all can be edified. You are serving one another. So instead of Shonda Baku and everybody all together that ain't helping nobody else but yourself, quit being selfish in your gatherings and serve someone else instead. And this was one of the things that brought me such just such great comfort and brought me back to the fullness of the Spirit was when I began to reconstruct my theology and my truth and my understanding of who the Holy Spirit was and what He wanted to do in my life. See, for, for a lot of years, I walked away from some of these, uh, I, I'm going to use biblical charismatic expressions, these gifts of the Spirit. The word charismatic biblically just means people who are available in an operation of these nine gifts in the Spirit in their life. That's all it means was never intended originally to be a denomination or a group of people or to indicate crazy. But when you hear charismatic, you might think crazy. I get that. I've met some of them. I may or may not be related to some of them. I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Greg, I love you. <laughs> There's a purpose when we gather. There's a reason we gather. There's, there's a purpose behind what we do. And, and Paul goes on to try to articulate this for us. Start, pick it back up now in verse 10. He says, undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't say, stop being eager for them. He's commending them. Way to go. You are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in the gifts that are going to build up the church when you're at church. It's all about location and context. The parameters that he gives us in 1 Corinthians 14 aren't for all of time, but in the context of our gatherings because they were disorderly in their gatherings. It wasn't good. Verse 13, for this reason... The one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. In other words, if we're in a public gathering and somebody starts speaking in tongues, somebody better have an interpretation ready. That they may interpret what they say. Why? Because if the goal in our gathering is to build up, encourage, strengthen, and comfort one another... That's why prophecy works really well. But if somebody gives, stands up and starts praying in the spirit, in, in the service, they better interpret because then it's the same thing as a prophecy. Because then we can all be edified and understand what was being said. And now Paul goes on to this discourse to help us understand that. For if I pray in a tongue, he says this, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do then? Here's his instructions. Okay, so, so we know all these things. That's great. Tongues helps me. It, it's a mystery. It builds me up. If I prophesy and somebody brings a word of God to the people of God, we all can be encouraged and edified. Then what? He says, so then what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. Speak in tongues. I will also pray in my understanding. In my case, English. In some people's case, that means German. French. Australian, mate. Well, it's just their language, their understanding. That wasn't a bad Australian accent. I, I give myself an 8 out of 10 on that one. 
So what shall I do? I'll pray in the spirit, but I will also pray in my understanding. I will sing with my spirit. What's the purpose of your prayer language? It is for prayer. It is for praise. It is for prophecy. Because when you interpret what you pray, it becomes prophetic. This is the purpose of the language that God wants to give you. Because he doesn't want you walking around defeated, flat in your faith, overrun by temptation, and your mouth uncontrolled. Because he loves you. He loves you that much. That he provides the gift that you need to accomplish the purpose that he's called you to live out. I will sing in the spirit. I will pray in the spirit. I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising to God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is not in the position of an inquirer say amen to your giving of thanks? Since they do not know what you are saying, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one, not everyone is edified in that moment. In other words, you are all by yourself if all you do in the public gathering is sing in the Spirit in a way that brings attention to you and commands the attention of the room. Friends, I pray and sing in the Spirit every single Sunday during our worship time. But most of you will never hear it because I'm not trying to talk to you or sing to you. I'm talking and I'm singing to God. Whether you realize it or not, I'm not smart enough or spiritually strong enough to stand up here week after week and present to you the things that God wants to give you. I'm only up here because the Spirit is at work in me and through me for you. And I can't come up here full of me. I need to come up here. And it spits like that sometimes too, y'all. I need to come stirred up, filled up, overflowing with the Spirit and the life of God. And you need me to come up here not full of myself full of the Spirit of God. Because it is the Spirit of God that brings transformation. It's the Spirit of God that brings revelation to the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God that has the power to break off the things that have bound you through the week. It is only the Spirit of God who has the power to do that. And you need it. And I need it. And Paul says, I will do it when I'm talking to the Lord. And I need to edify myself. And I will not do it when I'm in public and standing here with you. Because there's a purpose behind our gatherings. Paul, as a good charismatic, was helping you to understand that there's a purpose behind these gifts. But there's also a purpose behind our gatherings because God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of order. And in our gatherings, God wants there to be order. Why does God want there to be order? I think it really comes down to this uh, verse 23. So if the whole church comes together, and everyone speaks in tongues, an inquirer or unbeliever comes in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Oh no, they will. They will. But an unbeliever comes in, a seeker comes in, an inquirer comes in, an unbeliever comes in, 
and everyone is prophesying. In other words, somebody is standing up and saying, this is, I believe, what God wants us to understand today in Scripture. This is what I believe God is saying to us as a church. And there's order. There's things that are planned. There are people assigned to certain roles to do certain things to lead us in a direction. There are people who are assigned to worship and to lead us in worship. This is why we don't have tambourines and harmonicas and ribbons and y'all don't get to bring your own instruments in. Y'all barely, we, we, we barely get this right. Right, like, we don't need to be adding other noises out there. We have people who are gifted and called and have been appointed and planned to prepare and prepared to lead us in worship. There are people who are planned and prepared to bring us announcements, who are planned and prepared to stand at the door and open to help you get somewhere. Our kids' teams are planned and prepared to help your kids discover God on their level and hear the story of Jesus that transforms their lives. They're ready to do it. They're planned and they're prepared. It's not a free-for-all. We don't just show up and say, well, I guess God will move. Let's just show up and see what happens. Because God is a God of order, not disorder. And here's the point. But if an unbeliever comes in, verse 24, an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and provident in their judgment by all. As the secrets of their heart seem to be laid bare, they seem to be exposed and seen, and God is piercing their heart in our midst. As the secrets of the heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is in this place. Every week, people show up at Faith Church. And they're here for the first time, and they're not sure they really believe God, follow God, or even want to submit to the truths of the Bible. But they're here anyways. They're seeking, they're learning, they're wondering. And they show up, and they walk away, and they're like, I, I don't know about all that, but there was something different in that space. I, something happening in here, and I ain't sure what it means I just think I got to go back for seconds next time. Let's show up again. 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 When we gather here as a church, we have a purpose. You want to know what our purpose is? We prepare this environment so that people can encounter the presence of God and take their next step in their faith. And for some people, that just means they're coming back a second time. For some people, it means they sign up and they attend Growth Track. For some people, it means that they're going to actually sing out loud this week. For some people, that means that they're going to invite a friend to come back with them next week. For some people, they start to give because they just want their heart to stay connected to the space and they believe in what God is doing. For some people, they sign up for water baptism. For some people, they take a next step and say, you know what, my marriage could use some strengthening and encouragement. I'm going to sign up for the XO conference. You know what, my next step is I've never really delivered a care basket to anybody who's sick. I'm going to take a care basket because i got a friend who's stuck at home in COVID and I'm going to give them that. But they all show up and in this place, our hearts are pierced and changed by the presence of God and he is really here with us we're not doing it so that you can sit back and be entertained we're doing it to add value to one another and when you show up and I show up we show up to build up not sit on our butts we don't say hey stand and greet one another because we need to fill another minute before the band starts to sing it's to give you an opportunity to engage in the mission of what we're doing so that you can help create an environment where other people feel like they belong. I've only been here four times. That's great. Go meet somebody who's here for the first time. You can still know their name and tell them that you're glad they're here. 
Well, it's not really my personality to lift my hands, Pastor. Since when are the commands of worship, of how we express worship, up to your personality? Last time I checked, God was pretty clear on what worship looks like. Because when we show up, not to show off, and not to gain our own attention, we show up to encourage, to strengthen, so that the body can all be edified and I get a role, I get a part to play in that. I get to help another kid fall in love with Jesus because I'm leading their small group. I, I get to help somebody sign up for a connect group because I'm working in the next step table. I, I get to help create a great experience and help people meet somebody for the first time because I'm a liaison and I get to talk to all the new people and I love to talk to all the new people. And it's my favorite thing to do and I'm going to introduce them and them and them and them and them and them because you're a natural networker. You are an evangelist at heart and you're good. Some of you are like, I'm not really good, but I like telling people what to do. I'm going to sign up and serve in the parking lot. You park here. Smile, right? Like, I'm in control out here. I like to have control. That's why men like to work in the parking lot. They don't really have to talk to people, but they still get to tell them what to do. We're creating an environment that's free of distraction because people need to have an encounter with God. It changes their heart. So we're not getting all charismatic crazy, and you're not getting to... We're not living in a world where you get to show up and dictate because you think you've got the gift in this moment and this thing. No, no. There's an order, there's a plan, and there's leadership established to help people move forward. The reason that God says there's a reason for order, it, and I'm, I'm just coming at our charismatic, my charismatic resistance because we kick back on this. We do, we do. And, and we're not going to do it here. Uh, and, and we don't have people that do it here. I'm just helping us understand some things and it brings balance to some things. God is a God of order, which means there's a sequence and a reason that helps people move intentionally. But yet we're still partnering with the Spirit at every juncture. It's rare that, I come, that we come up with a plan and we just throw it out last minute because the Spirit's moving us. Listen, hear me, hear me real clear. My God is big enough and already in tomorrow, he already knows what we need to do tomorrow. And I have enough faith to believe that he can tell me today what needs to happen next Sunday. Are there things that change? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I said today that's not in my notes. Is it the Spirit or is it just me? I don't know. We'll find out later. It's either going to bear fruit or it's not, and I just trust God with that. Stand, we got to get to communion. We don't have to. That, Lord, that was... But we get to come and to your table. Would you go ahead and open your communion up? Just take the top layer off. Go ahead and open the next layer and get the juice ready, but be careful as you open it or you're going to have to do some laundry when you get home. Just hold on to them for a second. Bow your heads, close your eyes. We, we ask this one question just about every week, and it's simply this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What's my next step? Maybe your next step is to this, this week, for the first time ever, to surrender your tongue to God. You've never done that. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your mouth. He's got your heart. He's got your salvation. Yeah. But you've never actually thought to give God your mouth. 
Some of you, maybe your next step, the Spirit's just saying, hey, it's time to engage. We're not showing up for your own selfish reasons. You're showing up to help strengthen someone else's faith. And we all know it's more blessed to give than to receive. Something transforms in us when we serve others. Maybe that's, that's what it is for you. I don't know. Just whisper, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? As we come to the table, Jesus took some bread and he broke it when he was with his disciples. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember his body together as we take the bread. And then he took a cup and he says, this is the cup of a new covenant which is poured out for you for the remission of your sins. It is the blood of Christ that forgives us and makes us clean so that the Holy Spirit can actually reside within us, making us vessels of honor before him. Let's remember his sacrifice. Father, I pray that today you're opening our hearts up more and more towards you and to your ways. Lord, the words that came from my mouth today, Lord, I pray that you would help them land where they need to land. And those that were maybe not of you, God, would you just help them fall to the wayside in our ears and our hearts. Lord, I desire each and every week is to come, honor you in our worship, to create a space for people to encounter you and to take a step forward in you. Lord, help us to do that, to partner with that, to be a part of that. It's such an honor, Jesus, to gather with your people each and every week. We thank you for it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.